Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's great to have you with us, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. I am so glad that you joined us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And you know, I am not ashamed to admit that I love the Christmas season uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, one thing I love is the music. And I do have to say, not all Christmas music is created equal. Uh, there are a few songs that I don't ever need to hear again. No offense to Mariah Carey. Uh, it's nothing personal. <laughs> but my favorite Christmas songs are the old carols, like the ones we just sang. Joy to the world, O come all ye faithful. Both of those songs are over 250 years old. And I love the fact that people have been singing Christmas songs about Jesus for hundreds of years. But that's nothing compared to the actual event that we call Christmas. Jesus was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And it's kind of an amazing thing that we still worship and celebrate Him today. But this morning, I want to think about why Christmas still matters after all this time. Why is this person from ancient history still relevant here in 2021? Well, there's a verse in the Bible that helps us answer that question. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. In this verse, the angel is speaking to Joseph about Mary. And the angel says, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this is why Christmas still matters. Jesus came to save us. Because of God's great love for us, He sent His Son into this world on the greatest rescue mission of all time. Love has come. This is why we celebrate. Love came in the form of a baby who was no ordinary baby. He's the Savior of the world. But as we sit here on December 19th, six days before Christmas, I'd love to know what's going on inside your head and inside your heart. Here on Christmas Sunday, where, where are you coming from today? Would you say that, that you are full of joy and anticipation? That's exactly where my kids are right now. And that's sort of the expectation for this time of year. Lots of joy, lots of anticipation. But it's kind of funny. Uh, as you get older, things change. Life gets more complicated. You have challenges that you never had to face when you were a kid. So again, I'd love to know where you are today. This good news about Christmas. Is that real to you? Or has life gotten in the way of your joy? I know that some of us this morning were dealing with stress or disappointment or loneliness. And then for some of us, uh, Christmas is always a tough season because every celebration is tangled up with grief. It's hard to be happy without being sad at the same time. So if Christmas is a little complicated for you, like it is for many of us, I want to go back to that question, why does the story of Christmas still matter today? It's, 
It's great that Jesus came to be our Savior, but how does that give me hope and peace and joy right here and right now? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, the power of Christmas is found in the name of Jesus. And here's the thing, you don't experience that power until you call on his name. In Romans, the Apostle Paul said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you call on Jesus and you let him go to work, your life will be transformed, past, present, and future. So this is the truth that we want to see this morning. The power of Christmas is found in the name of Jesus. Now, we're going to explore this truth in two different ways. First, we'll look at God's Word. We'll dig deeper into Matthew chapter 1, and we'll learn why the name of Jesus is so significant. But second, we're going to see how this truth shows up in the lives of real people here in our time. We're going to hear four different stories this morning. And each story comes from a person whose life was transformed by Jesus. In fact, I want to go ahead and let these people tell you a little about themselves. Let's go ahead and watch this video together. My name is Kristen. I've been at Plum Creek for 28 years now. I grew up with a very specific image of what a perfect family was. And fortunately, I had a beautiful example of family life done that way. Later, I was married and we adopted a beautiful little girl to raise together. But sadly, after 18 years, all of that ended. A divorced single mom was not ever what I envisioned for my life. I know without a doubt that Jesus walked through all those times with me. Hi, my name is Sean Foster. I've been coming to Plum Creek now for, I think, uh, roughly four or five years. Um, just a little bit about um, my past. I have uh, lost uh, my dad um, recently during COVID, uh, not due to COVID. Um, and then almost 10 years ago now, I uh, lost my brother on a tra tragic workplace accident, accident. With the loss of my brother being so sudden, um, you have a lot of questions, you have a lot of hurt. Um, and the last place I'd, I had been with my brother was at church. And so coming back to church was really tough because every time you think about church or during praise and worship, you're thinking about heaven, you're thinking about God, uh, all the memories rush back from when you're with that person or, or you think about that person being in heaven. Um, and it was really tough to want to come to church. Um, it was tough to get close to God. Um, not, not saying I was mad at God, but it's just, it's hard to understand when you have a tragic loss uh, in your family like that. My name is Jessica and my family and I are new here to Plum Creek and actually Kentucky. Um, but I grew up in a, a Christian family in Portland, Oregon. And when I turned 18, I actually met a man much older than myself. And uh, I thought I loved him, but I ended up being trafficked. And that 
was not great. But when I finally escaped from him, um, I ended up being a single parent and went back to my parents' house. But the shame of all of everything that I had been through that I was made to do uh, really impacted my myself. And I let the lies of the enemy say that I wasn't worth it, uh, all that fun stuff. And I actually turned to drugs instead of, you know, Jesus. And got kicked out of my parents' house again. Um, was in a very, very, very dark place. I actually, at that point, there was a time where I felt the Lord's presence leave me and that was not a fun situation. After a couple years of of drugs and men that were not fulfilling well was not safe I actually met my husband and um, gave up the drugs but still lived in in shame and even though I knew God and we were going to church I still he didn't he wasn't Lord over my life Hi, my name's Kristen Lawner. I've been a member of Plum Creek for about uh, 10 years now with my family, my husband Bill and my daughter Caroline. Um, my The biggest struggle for me that has um, been a barrier over the years has been anxiety and depression. And um, I've dealt with this as long as I can remember since being um, a teenager uh, when it really set in and it ebbed and flowed over the years and earlier this year i really hit a breakthrough with my anxiety that i wanted to be able to share with you um, in in early september um, through some trips to the doctor um, my doctor found a spot and um, started talking to me about the possibility that i had cancer and it was um, terrifying um, at that particular doctor's appointment, had a panic attack, broke down on this poor, wonderful nurse that was there for me. And, you know, they were really open and honest with me that, you know, this is probably cancer and we need to do some extra steps. A divorced single mom was not ever what I envisioned for my life. I know without a doubt that Jesus walked through all those times with me. He lifted me up and he gave me peace and strength to face each day and I felt that. He showed me that I needed to lean on him like never before and to teach that little girl to do the same. In addition to my own family, he gave me a church home filled with people who loved me, dear friends that cared deeply for me and my daughter, and they helped meet our needs and lift our burdens and help me find purpose. My hope in Jesus brought countless blessings and joy into a new picture of what family would be. Now I speak Jesus over my family.
the right after the immediate loss that you have that that cloud of um, I don't say depression, but um, just darkness of of thought and uh, of loss and not knowing how you're going to navigate life um, without them in your life. Um, but being able to know that Jesus, because of Jesus and what He's done, that we have the hope that we'll be able to see them again, knowing that they're in a better place. And uh, so I speak Jesus over the situation of loss in life and how He speaks life into my relationships with Him, into life, speaking life into my relationships with others. Nate and I got married in 2004, but because I had all of the trauma and shame and guilt and depression, anxiety, our marriage suffered greatly from that. And it wasn't until 2016 that I was actually freed in, a, in an instant, in a moment. Jesus came in and just redeemed me. Redeemed me to who he made me to be. So I have the ability now to speak Jesus to shame because Jesus is bigger than shame. Jesus is bigger than depression. Jesus is bigger than addiction. Jesus is bigger than trafficking. Jesus is bigger than anything that you could possibly think that you have been taken away from or too far for Jesus. I tell you, it's not. There is, there is hope. There's hope for, there's hope for everybody. As I'm going through all of that and talking to these doctors, one of the rooms they took me in had Joshua 1.9 up on the wall. And the Lord your God, you know, be strong and be courageous. The Lord your God is with you. And um, I took that and that weekend, I just prayed over that verse. And and as, as I was having my moments of anxiety, I prayed over that verse and I prayed to Jesus just to be with me through this trial and after the biopsy I just had this moment of clarity of when I went into my results appointment on Thursday they were going to tell me I had cancer and Jesus would be there holding my hand and I can't explain to you how personally powerful that was for me I just knew it and this sense of peace that is so weirdly wonderful just came over me and my husband and I went into that appointment on Thursday and they told me I had cancer and I cried for a couple of minutes and then it was like all right what are we gonna do how are we gonna beat this and Jesus has been so faithful to me through this trial he's been with me every step of the way I feel his love I feel his power um, and now when I do have those moments where I start to get anxious or I start to get upset, I can just speak Jesus and pray over Joshua 1.9 and pray for him to be with me. And it just, it just evaporates and it's the most wonderful feeling. And I know every day that that comes straight from him. So there are people here to pray for you. Uh, to guide you and I think the biggest hurdle the biggest step is just saying yes saying yes to Jesus because 
honestly, he's already said yes to you. He's already said yes to, to us. And uh, let us pray for you. Let Plum Creek, you know, open up to somebody because your struggles are nothing more than Jesus can redeem. I'm redeemed. I know that. And you can be too. I really appreciate Kristen and Sean and Jessica and Krista sharing some of their story with us. And they're talking about real life struggles, aren't they? Broken family, the death of a loved one, abuse, shame, a scary diagnosis. These are the kinds of struggles that we experience in this fallen world. These are the kind of burdens that some of us carry into the Christmas season. Just a few minutes ago, we sang joy to the world. But is it really possible to have joy at the same time that you're feeling shame or anxiety or you're, you're, you're going through addiction or you're full of regrets? Is it possible to have peace in the middle of your brokenness? We're going to hear more from these guys a little later. Uh, but first, we need to see what God has to say about all of this. Earlier, I read from Matthew chapter 1, which is one of the two famous Christmas passages in the Bible. The one we hear the most comes from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke tells the Christmas story from Mary's perspective. But Matthew gives us more of Joseph's perspective. So let's go back and read the full story. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the prophet said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Now, you might notice Matthew leaves out some of the details that we get from Luke. Uh, Matthew doesn't mention the manger or the shepherds or the big choir of angels. And we'll read about that this week later in the uh, Christmas Eve service. But Matthew does give us a very important perspective here. First, he shows us that the birth of Jesus was part of a much bigger plan that God put in motion many years before. Last week, we focused on verses 22 and 23. Let's read that again. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Some of you may remember that Matthew is quoting from the prophet Isaiah here. Isaiah lived more than 700 years before Jesus. And way back then, God promised to send a special child. This child will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what's the significance of that title? Well, the name Emmanuel refers to the huge problem that Jesus came to solve. And the problem is this. All of us have sinned. And because of our sin, we were cast out of God's presence. We were separated from God. God was not with us. We were literally dying to be with him, but our sin kept us apart from him. Two weeks ago, we saw that this sin problem goes all the way back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. That's where we talked about the need for Christmas. We looked at the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve both broke God's command when they ate of the forbidden fruit. They sinned against God, and because of that, God expelled them from the garden and also from his presence And from Adam and Eve all the way down to us, every human being has done the same thing. That includes me. That includes you. We've looked at God's commands, and we decided to go our own way. We just broke one command after another. Every one of us is a sinner, (laughs) a wretched sinner. And I know that sounds harsh to say, But I only say it because it's true. And we have to face the truth. In fact, let's uh, do a little experiment, a little test. I'm going to ask you a question. And you don't have to answer out loud, but do think about what your answer is. Here's the question. Have you ever lied? Now, there are two ways to answer that question. First, you could say, yes, I have lied. If that's your answer, then you're a sinner. But there's another possible answer, and that's to say, no, I have never lied. But that means you're lying about not lying, and you're still a sinner. And that's kind of a silly example, but this is actually a very serious issue. We are all guilty of crimes against God, and those crimes have terrible consequences. The consequences are always devastating. Every sin adds to the brokenness in this world. Before sin came along, there was no such thing as broken families. There was no such thing as anxiety or depression or abuse or addiction or even death. But when sin arrived, pain and suffering came right along with it. And because we're all guilty of sin... We've all contributed to the pain and suffering in this world, and we deserve to be punished. The Bible says we actually deserve death, eternal death, separation from God for all of eternity. So how do we fix this problem? What can we do about it? Well, this is our dilemma. We can't fix it. 
Our God is a God of justice, and he will not allow sin to go unpunished. If he allowed sin to go unpunished, he would not be a good God. So there's a price to pay. Somebody has to pay the penalty. And who's it going to be? We've got two options. Number one, you take the punishment yourself. And, and that's a horrible thing because that means eternal death. Separation from God that lasts forever. But the only other option is to find someone who will pay that penalty for you. And that brings us back to Matthew 121. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. There is something special about the name Jesus. If you go back to the original Hebrew, Jesus is the name Yeshua, which means God saves, or God is salvation. Yeshua is actually the same name as Joshua. Both Joshua and Jesus come from Yeshua. And this is pretty cool, especially when you think about Joshua from the Old Testament. Uh, many of you would remember Joshua. Uh, he, he was uh, uh, this person who took over from Moses, and his job was to lead God's people across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. So God used Joshua to bring salvation for his people. God saves. Yeshua. But that Old Testament Joshua was only a shadow of the ultimate Yeshua who would come centuries later. Because Jesus came not to take his people over a physical river, but to carry us over the chasm of sin. And Jesus came not to lead us to a promised land that was a place in the Middle East. He came to lead us to the real promised land, which is in heaven, in the presence of God. God with us. So this is great. Jesus came to be our salvation. But that salvation would come at a terrible price. Remember, we all deserve the death penalty. And the only way to escape that death is for someone else to take our place. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger like this one. But that was only the beginning. Jesus grew up and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned himself, which is crucial because if he had sinned, he would have had his own penalty to pay. But Jesus did no wrong. He was tempted, but he never gave in to temptation. And then, by his own choice, he went to the cross. He allowed himself to be killed out of love for you and love for me. In the past, I've explained it this way. You could think of God's punishment for sin as a massively powerful weapon, like a huge cannon or a missile. And you could imagine that weapon is pointed right at you and God's finger is on the trigger because of his hatred of sin. But then Jesus comes and he steps right into the path of that weapon. He steps right in front of you and he takes upon himself all the rage 
and terrible fury against sin. Now, did Jesus deserve that? Absolutely not. But this is what's so amazing about the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. The work is done. The price has been paid. And because of that, we have this opportunity to be reunited with God. We can be with him both now and forever. This offer is available to everyone. It's, it's a free gift, but you do have to receive it. Some of you remember that moment when you gave your life to Jesus and you accepted the gift of forgiveness and salvation. But some of you don't remember that moment. And it could be because you just haven't believed this stuff about Jesus. It could also be that you just didn't want to give up control of your life. But then some of you might say, well, I just always thought I was a Christian. No, I don't remember a specific moment when I gave my life to Christ. But listen, if you fall into any of those categories, I encourage you to pause this morning and be open to what God wants to do in your life. See, Jesus it's not just a character in a story. He's real, and he wants to transform you from the inside out. And you have an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. So what if you're ready to do that? How do you receive that gift? Well, in Scripture, we see several steps that people take when they give their lives to Jesus and, and make him their Savior. First, you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Second, you, you make a public declaration that Jesus is your Lord and your master. You don't run the show anymore. He's in charge. Third, you repent, which means you turn away from your sins. You stop doing what God has told you not to do, and you start doing what he has told you to do. And the other step that people take when they give their life to Jesus is the step of being baptized. It's being immersed in water to identify with the work of Jesus. Just like Jesus died on the cross, you die to your old sinful self. And just like he was buried in a tomb, you are buried in water. And then just like he rose from the dead and walked out of the grave, you rise up out of the water to go and live a new life. And from there, you are completely transformed. You are forgiven. You are free. You are released from the guilt of shame and sin. You have complete confidence that this broken world will not break you. Satan does not have the last word. Jesus gives you victory over temptation. He gives you peace in the middle of the storm. There's only one person who has the power to give you these things. That power is only found in Jesus. There's a great verse in the book of Acts. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name but Jesus. You can look all over this world, but you will never find anyone who can give you what you're looking for except for Jesus. He stands alone. In Philippians chapter 2, 
the Apostle Paul gives an amazing summary of who Jesus is and what he has done. I want to read this for you. Philippians 2, starting with verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And that's Christmas right there, when Jesus became a human. And then being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will come a day when everyone will recognize that Jesus is the name above all names. Yeshua, God saves. This is why Christmas matters. Love has come in the form of a baby who is also the Savior of the world. The power of Christmas is found in the name of Jesus. I realize that some of you probably expected this to be just a nice Christmas service, but it's possible that God has a bigger plan for you today. Right now, we're, we're going to take the opportunity to call on the strong name of Jesus. Later in this service, we'll hear more from Kristen and Sean and Jessica and Krista. But right now, think about your own life. What burden did you carry here today? Do you need to be delivered from something? Do you have uh, some sin that you can't seem to shake? I encourage you to speak the name of Jesus over whatever it is that's bringing you down or holding you back. Call on his name. Speak Jesus. Let his power go to work in you today. In just a moment, the band is going to come and lead us in another song. And as we sing, I invite you to identify your problem, whatever it is. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Uh, maybe it's this feeling of being completely overwhelmed. Whatever it is, go ahead and pull out the strip of linen that you picked up on your way in today. If, if you did not get one of these, you can still go grab one at the table there. And then write down your burden, and from there, come down to the front of the room, to the manger here, and drop that strip of linen into the manger. Give your burden over to Jesus. Call on his name. Remember that love has come. He started at the manger, but eventually he went to the cross. He took your sin on his shoulders so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have freedom and hope and joy and peace. So don't let this moment pass you by. Let's call on the name of Jesus.